podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast, Friday, December 10th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, Now TV, Sky Go, whatever it is, you can watch the stuff you geoblock from and keep your data safe using Liberty Shield, the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. If you use the code EPL599, you will get $5.99 off your first month. So your first month will be one quid, and then it's $6.99 thereafter, but there is no contract. Instant download from the Liberty Shield website. Put it on your devices and get using straight away. That's libertyshield.com for EPL599 at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company. Located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find now on Etsy. Use the code RED10 on the Anfield Index shop or EPL10 on the EPL Index shop, and you'll get 10% off at checkout. There is a whole new line of mugs. If you're an Aston Villa fan, there's a Steven Gerrard one. There's Rafinha, there's Youngmin Son, Bakayo Saka, Ruben Diaz, Wilf Zaha, Marcus Rashford, Emil Smith-Rowe. There's Paul Pogba. If you want a collector's item, because he won't be there for long, you can get that. You can get Conte. You can get Richarlison. You can get Kante, Lukaku, Vardy, Aubameyang, Haaland, Mason Mount. On and on. Mikel Antonio. Lots and lots of good stuff there. EPL index or Anfield index on Etsy. If the code doesn't work, there has been a glitch on Etsy the last couple of days. If it doesn't work, shoot us an L tweet at EPL index or at Anfield index and we'll take care of that for you. Right, folks, it is Friday, so we're going to do the show in reverse. First things first, the gossip. West Ham have made an audition, an audacious move to sign Eden Hazard. I'm going to put that one squarely in the bin where it belongs. Real Madrid are confident Chelsea and Germany centre-back Antonio Rudiger will sign a pre-contract deal with them in January and join on a free transfer next summer. If the rumoured wage of 400 grand a week is, is through, that is one of the worst signings in the history of the game. Antonio Rudiger is a good centre-back in a back three. He's an average centre-back in a back two. He's error-prone in a back two. He's positionally undisciplined in a back two. If Real Madrid give him 400 grand a week, that will be as bad a signing as United paying 80 million for Harry, Harry Maguire. It absolutely will. 
Borussia Dortmund striker Erling Haaland's agent, that would be Mino Riola, says he has clear ideas about where the 21-year-old Norway striker should go. Uh, I would imagine it's wherever pays the most money because that's generally how Mino acts. Barcelona are interested in Marcus Rashford, but there are question marks over whether the Spanish side could afford him. Uh, There's no question marks. They can't afford to sign him. Would Manchester United be willing to sell? Very unlikely. However, breaking news today, Anthony Martial's agent has come out and said his player wants to leave in January. His agent, Philippe Lambolet, told Sky Sports, Anthony wishes to leave United in January. He needs to play. He doesn't want to stay in January. And I will speak to the club soon. Is he open to a loan? Is he looking to make a permanent move? Martial will be expensive for whoever wants to buy him. At 26, he's just in his prime years. He is very, very talented. There's no doubting his ability. There's doubts over his desire. There's doubts over his consistency. He's only had, you would say, two good seasons at United. His first season, he scored 17 in 49. And it looked like United had a real star on their hands because he was only a kid at the time. He arrived over at 19 and looked like he might take the Premier League by storm. But then he dropped off. Eight goals the next season, 11 the next, 12 the next. Then he had his real breakout year. 19-20, he scores 23 goals in 48 games, 17 in the Premier League, by far his career best. And he looked like he was set to kick on. But last season was very disappointing. 7-36. This season, just 1-10. Overall, 79 goals in 268 games for United. Not exactly the great return they were hoping for. They spent a lot of money to bring him in. 36 million, potentially rising to 58 million. He's on his second contract there. They've paid a good chunk of those add-ons. He is a good player. There's absolutely no doubting he is a good player. But... He just has not done what you would have hoped at United. The only thing in terms of the add-ons that hasn't been hit, he didn't win the Ballon d'Or. But he, once he scored 25 goals for United, the first clause kicked in. That was 7.2 million. Once he hit 25 caps for France, the next one kicked in. He did not and will not win a Ballon d'Or. So that won't be paid. But it means United have paid over £50 for Anthony Martial. I don't know that they'll see that money back. They'll want that kind of money, but I don't know if anyone will be willing to spend £50 on Martial. Just considering the lack of consistent form. He does still have two years left in his contract after this one. Uh, He signed a new deal in 2019. United also have an option to extend that to 2025. But I don't see that happening. I think he will probably leave, but I think it will be the summer. I don't see him going in January because I don't see a market out there for him in January. Um, 
moving on. Chelsea are targeting a move for Casemiro. Nonsense. Manchester City and England midfielder Phil Foden has been valued at 128 million as among the most expensive players in the world. This is a nothing story from the Daily Mail, desperate to fill column inches. Manchester City are looking to offer Joe Canseo a new contract in January. So says the king of all spoofers. West Ham. Oh, yeah, I've done that one. Uh, I just thought that was funny, that Hazard one, so I did it first. Uh, Liverpool have scouted both Leeds winger Rafinha and West Ham forward Jared Bowen. Why is Jared Bowen a forward and Rafinha is a winger when Bowen plays deeper than Rafinha? It's bizarre. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. Um, They won't be signing either of those in January. We can say that for certainty. Liverpool are also monitoring Paolo Dybala. I have doubts. Barcelona boss Xavi is set to prove a January clear-out with Frankie de Jong, Sergio Dest and Marc-Andre Ter Stegen all made available. It's from Gerard Moreno. Or Gerard Romero, it's probably garbage. Uh, Barca will also hook to offload Phil Coutinho and Samuel Umtiti. They've been trying for years to offload both and can't. Borussia Dortmund are favourites to sign Kareem Adeyemi. Uh, yeah, Builder reporting he's agreed a contract with them. I don't know if Salzburg will sell in January, given they're still in the Champions League, but maybe they will if they get the right offer. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain are looking to offload players in January, including Mauro Icardi. Rafinha, not the Rafinha that plays for Leeds, obviously, the other one, the bro- one who's the brother of Thiago. And Senegal centre-back Abdou Diallo. Abdou Diallo is very, very good. And if Tottenham want a left-footed centre-back for their back three... That would be a good signing. Uh, Rafinha would be a good signing for Liverpool for squad depth in January because he can play in midfield, he can play wide. He's super talented. He's had injury, a lot of injury problems, but it'll keep his brother happy as well. And Mauro Icardi, there's definitely a bunch of clubs that could use a goal scorer like Icardi. It is all just a matter of price and making sure his wife doesn't cause too many problems. Everton and Newcastle are interested in Ginny Wijnaldum, who could leave PSG on loan. He's not leaving PSG on loan in January. That's a made-up lie by a, a spoofer on Sky who's a failed journalist from the Times and tells lies on Sky to bring eyeballs. But none of it is true, and obviously 90minutes.com is generally garbage anyway. Real Madrid and Brazil winger Vinicius Jr., has reiterated his desire to stay with the La Liga side, warning club bosses not to put an asking price on him. Manchester United are one of the clubs possibly interested. I would be stunned, absolutely stunned, if they were willing to sell him. He is exploding this season. He's playing sensational football. He's got 12 goals in 22 games already, which is comfortably his career high for Real. 10 in the league in 16 games. Like, he was really good at the back end of last season. He has been sensational this season. It would be a bizarre, bizarre move if Real decided to move on from him. Now, I know they might be trying to raise money for other purchases, but still, you don't let a kid that talented go. He is far, far too good. Right, that is the gossip done. What we're going to do now is look at last night's games in the Europa League. We'll run through the results 
and then we'll have a look at the groups and what it all means. Sparta Prague 2, Bronby 0. Uh, man sent off for both teams, Hanko and Adam Hlozic with the goals for Sparta. Antwerp 1, Olympiakos 0. Balakwisha with the goal after six minutes. It's a good win for Antwerp. Uh, Olympiakos, I don't think, had anything riding on the game. Uh, Fenerbahce 1, Eintracht Frankfurt 1. Gibral Sau put Eintracht 1 up. Uh, Mirgen Berisha put leveled up for uh, Fenerbahce on 42. Sturmgratz won. Monaco won. Um, Janscher with a penalty after six minutes. Kevin Volland with the equaliser on 30. Real Sociedad 3. PSV Eindhoven 0. Two from Mikel Oyarzabal. One from Alex Sorlot. Giving Real a comfortable win and sending them through. Uh, Ibrahima Sanger sent off for PSV. That's a disappointing red card for him. Uh, Legia Warsaw nil. Spartak Moscow won. Bakiev with the goal after 17 minutes. The only goal of what was apparently a very dull game. Napoli 3, Leicester 2. Brendan Rodgers' tragic European record continues. Adam Onus and Elmas had put Napoli 2 up. Leicester, to the credit, fought back. Johnny Evans and Kiernan Dewsbury Hall equalising before half time. And then Elmas with the winner on 53. Le- Leicester are out. Napoli are through. Leicester will complain and say, well, we had a lot of injuries, but in truth, they didn't really. You could maybe argue that they were missing three starters, but more likely two. More likely they were missing Ricardo Pereira and Wes Fafana. Because Castanier they spent big money on, and surely he's a starter for them. Now, James Justin, I think, is better. But as a left wing back, Castanier is a better fit. So you go Pereira, Castanier, Fafana, Evans, Sunchu. That's probably their first choice defence. They're missing two. They have Ndidi, they have Thielemans, they have Madison, they have Barnes, they have Vardy. They're missing two starters. Look at that Napoli team. No Koulibaly, no Ruiz, no Zambo, no Simeon, no Insigne. They're missing far more players than Leicester were, and they still got the win and progressed. Uh, Leon won, Rangers won. Scott Wright put Rangers one up. Calvin Bassey own goal. Tied the game and it ended that way. Ferenc Varos won. Leverkusen nil. Ludini with the goal. Laudini. Laudini? I don't know. Some some fella scored a goal. Ace is his first name, if that helps. Um, big win for Ferenc Varos. It means nothing in the grand scheme of things. But it is a big win for them to beat quality opposition in Bayer Leverkusen. West Ham nil. Dinamo Zagreb won. Mislav Orsic with the only goal of the game after three minutes. West Ham, really good to see. A very young team put out. Ashby, Baptiste, Elise and Longello, or Longello in defence. Um, Perkins up front. They did have Ariola, Kral, Noble, Yarmolenko, Fornals and Vlasic. So a nice mix of, of young and, and experienced. Um, also a couple more youngsters on the bench. Freddie Potts coming off the bench. Keenan Apaya Forson, Kamari Simon Sire, all young players. Great to see 
West Ham bringing through this next generation. Um, Freddie Potts is the son of Steve Potts, who played for West Ham for a long, long time, was a quality uh, defender, played over 400 times, 505 games for West Ham. He has a brother, Dan Potts, who also came through the West Ham Academy but a decade ago. Uh, he's now at Luton, has established himself there uh, over many, many years. Very similar player to his dad. Only 5'7", five, 5'8", five, but a very stocky defender. Um, tough in the tackle and, and very, very competent when asked to play up against bigger players in central midfield if needed. But uh, Freddie Potts a different type. He's a, a taller midfield player and he does look to have something about him. So exciting times for West Ham to get all these youngsters going through. Defeat meant nothing for them. Obviously, they were through already. Uh, Marseille won Locomotive Moscow nil. Arcadis uh, Milik with the only goal of the game. Uh, West Ham di- or West Ham Marseille did have Valentin Rangier sent off on 80 minutes, but it made no difference to the result of the game. Ludogorets nil, Mitalian nil, Celtic three, Real Betis two. Big win for Celtic. Big big win. Stephen Walsh put them one up. Scott Bain own goal meant it was one one. Evan Henderson made a two one. Borja Iglesias made it 2-2. And then David Turnbull with a penalty won the game. Four goals in nine minutes. It was a really entertaining game. I really enjoyed watching that game. And, um, yeah, look, I think I think Celtic will drop into the Europa Conference League now and, and be fairly confident that they can make a bit of a go with that. Uh, Braga won Dinamo, or Red Star Belgrade won. Um, Galani, Galano on 52 with a penalty for Braga and then Kalai with a penalty on 70 for Red Star to equalise Lazio nil, Galatasaray nil, Genk nil, Rapid Vienna won Lubicic with the only goal of the game what that means then is from Group A Leon are through as group winners, Rangers through as runners up, I was wrong yesterday Rangers were through regardless. It didn't matter the, the outcome of games. Uh, Sparta Prague go into the Conference League. Monaco through as group winners. Real Sociedad as runners-up. PSV Eindhoven into the Conference League. Spartak through as group winners. Napoli as runners-up. Lazio drop into the Conference League. Brendan Rodgers says he doesn't know what it is. Well, Brendan, it's the next competition for you to fail in, is what it is. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, top group D. Olympiacos, second. Fenerbahce into the Conference League. Galatasaray, top of group E. Lazio, second. Marseille into the Conference. In group F, it's Red Star Belgrade through. Braga as runners-up. And Mitteljand into the Conference. Group G had Bayer Leverkusen topping the table. Real Betis, second. And Celtic for the Conference League. And in group H, the Mighty Hammers, West Ham United, top of the group. Dinamo Zagreb through his runners-up and Rapid Vienna into the Conference League. So what that means is that Leon Monaco, Spartak, Fra- Eintracht Frankfurt, Galatasaray, Red Star Belgrade, Bayer Leverkusen and West Ham all go through to the round of 16. So they're all through to the round of 16. They will be delighted by that. 
Uh, the draw for that will be held on the 25th of February with the games played on the 10th and 17th of March. So a nice big gap for those eight clubs before they have to play in Europe again. Rangers, Real Sociedad, Napoli, Olympiacos, Lazio, Braga, Real Betis and Dinamo Zagreb will all play one of the following. RB Leipzig, Porto, Borussia Dortmund, Sheriff Tiraspol, Barcelona, Atalanta, Sevilla and Zenit St. Petersburg. They're the teams who've dropped in from the Champions League. So they will play the group runners-up in what's been called the knockout round or playoffs. Uh, the draw for that is to be made on Monday and the games will be played the 17th and 24th of February. So they're act- they've worked it much better this year than they had in previous years. This actually sounds like it might be something decent. Uh, not to get too into the weeds on the next lot, but in the Europa Conference League, Azad Alkmaar beat Randers 1-0. Partizan drew 1-1 with Anatorsis. Zoria Luhansk drew 1-1 with Bodo Glimt. Ghent beat Flora 1-0. Alishkart and Maccabee Tel Aviv rather, drew 1-1. Lask beat HJK 3-0. Cluj beat Jablonek 2-0. Roma beat CSKA Sofia 3-2. Two goals from Tammy Abraham in that one to secure passage for Mr. Mourinho's team. Basel beat Quarabag 3-0. Union Berlin drew 1-1 with Slavia Prague. Feyenoord beat Maccabee Haifa uh, 2-1. Maccabee Haifa? Haifa. Haifa, I think. Copenhagen beat Slovan Bratislava 2-0. Ammonia and Karat drew 0-0. And Vitas Arnhem drew, or beat, sorry, beat Mura 3-1. PAOK beat Lincoln Red Imps. 2-0. No game played, obviously, between uh, Stad Ren and Tottenham due to Tottenham's coronavirus outbreak of sorts. Um, so what that means, in Group A, Lask and Maccabee Tel Aviv are through. HJK and Alish Kurt are out. In Group B, Ghent and Partizan are through. Anatosis and Flora are out. In Group C, Roma, top of the group. Bodo Glimt as runners-up. Zoria and CSK Sofia both out. AZ and Randers through from Group D. Jablonek and Cluj, thanks for playing. Group E, Feyenoord and Slavia Prague. Union Berlin obviously let themselves down last night by failing to win the game. Uh, and Maccabee, they both go out. Group F, Copenhagen and PAOK are through. Slovan and Lincoln Red Imps. Don't let the door hit you on your way out. And then in Group G, Wren are through. And we don't know yet what's going to happen between Vietas and um, Tottenham. Tottenham have to play Wren. Wren are top of the group regardless. Tottenham have to play Vietas. Or have to play Wren. If they win, I think 2-0 or whatever, through they'll go. Uh, but that game may just end up being cancelled because there's no time to play it. Uh, Mura are out. And lastly, Group H, Basel through, Karabeg through, Omonia and Karat out. So, Lask, Ghent, Roma, AZ, Feyenoord, Copenhagen, Rennes and Basel all through 
to the round of 16. Uh, Maccabee, Tel Aviv, Partizan, Belgrade, Bodo Glimt, Randers, Slavia Prague, POK, one of Vietas and Tottenham and Quarabag through to the playoffs where they will face one of, each will face one of, Sparta Prague, PSV Eindhoven, Leicester, Fenerbahce, Marseille, Mitalian, Celtic and Rapid Vienna. Um, yeah. Yeah. That is that. That is where that competition stands. It's still not great, but it's looking a little bit stronger now with these uh, Europa League teams having dropped in. I think Roma, Leicester, Roma and Leicester are probably the two strongest teams in the competition. But Roma have been a little bit of a mess this season. And Leicester, well, I mean, Brendan Rodgers in Europe, you know. But as useful as an Irish plug, as John O'Sullivan pointed out yesterday. Uh, other little bits of news. Uh, Kasper Kozlowski, young Polish kid who was in or on the radar of Liverpool during the summer, is now in talks to sign for Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, 18-year-old midfielder compared to Kevin De Bruyne. Very, very talented player. Played at the Euros. Looked looked a solid player. Six caps already for his national team. Um, very, very talented. And uh, definitely one that would suit the mandate of Brighton, who like to snap up young players and develop them to sell them on at, at big prices. Uh, other news before we hit the break. Uh, obviously, the Tottenham-Brighton game is off. The Premier League clubs, Premier League clubs have been told to return to emergency COVID-19 pressures. Norwich are reporting potential COVID outbreak as well. Uh, they obviously played Spurs last weekend, so that is of, of concern. Pele is in hospital and will be for a few days. We wish him a very speedy recovery. Um, oh, I forgot to point out, Villarreal beat Atalanta yesterday and Villarreal are through to the knockout stages of the Champions League. Villarreal raced into a 3-0 win, a 3-0 lead rather. Danjuma, Kapue and Danjuma again before Atalanta woke up and realised what was going on. Malinovsky and Zabata pulled two back but it wasn't enough. So they're through and Atalanta. It is Europa League for you. A um, little bit of news. Javier Mascherano has taken a job with the Argentina under-20 team. He will manage that team from January. Great to see him moving into coaching. Uh, always, always loved Javier Mascherano. Uh, so that's that for now. We will take a break. And when we come back, I'll be joined by Mr. Drinkle. And uh, we'll run through the nine Premier League games for this weekend. But before we go, don't be like Josh Kimmich. Get your vaccination. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, I am joined by the one and only Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I'm excellent. How are you, Dave? I am tremendous, Guy. Tremendous. And obviously, the football starts early this weekend. We do have Friday night football. 
and I'm already excited for it. Yeah, it might not be the best game, though. <laughs> That's Don't weird. take it away from me. <laughs> well, it'd probably be fun, but it might be... I don't, it might be a wild. I think it might be a wild one. Actually, I mean, we've got Brentford, Watford. Um, Brentford obviously struggling a lot with injuries and stuff like that, but a, a decent ish draw last weekend. Um, obviously beat Everton the other week as well, but that's sandwiched between a loss to um Spurs. But Watford on three losses in a row. It, mm. Yeah, yeah. and bother. I think so. I've said this to you before. Every Watford manager is only about a week and a half away from the sack, no matter what's going on at the club. Um, Things haven't gone particularly well since Claudio Ranieri took over at Watford. They've had a couple of good wins, no doubt, but it hasn't been pretty. Thus far, he's, he's taken charge of eight games. They've won two and lost six. And that's not ideal. Now, the wins were entertaining wins. You know, they went to Everton. They put five past them and won that game. They beat Manchester United 4-1. That was a great win. They were outstanding on the day, but they got hammered by Liverpool. They lost to Southampton. They lost to Arsenal. Lost to Leicester. Lost to Chelsea. Lost to City. In his defence, it has been a difficult run. Like, there aren't many easy games in that run. But the manner of some of the defeats has been a bit of a concern. Now, Brentford aren't of the calibre of a City, a Chelsea, a Leicester, a Liverpool, even an Arsenal. So, this is an opportunity for Watford. And like you mentioned, Brentford have lots of injuries. Christopher Ayer is out. Sergi Canos is suspended. Ivan Tony has COVID. David Rea is still out. Zanka is still out. Uh, Janvier is out. De Silva is still out from the summer. So lots of injuries for Brentford. Difficult to see what their team is going to be. And I believe, I believe Ethan Pinnock also has COVID. So he could be out. Um, news today actually at Brentford, one of their co-directors of football is set to leave the club. Um, He's been there seven years. Rasmus Ackerson uh, is to step down at the end of the year and move on. He's been there since 2015. Um, He is not only uh, one of the directors of football, he is also on the board. And, uh, yeah, he will step down and Phil Giles will remain as the sole director of football, assuming they don't appoint somebody else. But those two have worked together brilliantly over the years and been architects of bringing this team to the Premier League. Ankerson was very, very instrumental, allegedly, in bringing in Thomas Frank as the head coach. Uh, he is leaving to set up a sport sports investment firm. Ankerson said, I am an entrepreneur by heart and to help build the fundamentals in the system that enabled the club to reach the Premier League has been a thrilling and satisfying experience in every way. I am really proud of what we've achieved here, and I feel lucky to have worked with incredible people who have also become my friends. Everything good comes to an end, and I always hope that when this day arrived, I will be able to leave Brentford in a good state, and I'm pleased the club is now stronger than ever. 
Matthew Benham added, who's the owner, he leaves us at a time when we are our highest league position for more than 70 years with good leadership on and off the, the field. I'm sure that Phil, together with Thomas and our excellent football staff, will continue to lead us. So it's a big it's a big departure, but you'd trust Brentford to get things right. Anyway, um, with regards to Watford, they have their own injury issues. Uh, if Thibaut is out, Foster is out, Messina is out, Seralta is a major doubt. Seema, they're hoping to have back. Quadroba has been out all season, obviously. Uh, Ishmael Assar and Nicholas Nkulu both out probably until sometime in the new year. Um, so lots of injuries on both sides. I sort of fancy Brentford. Got a good result last week away to Leeds. Did beat Everton. Got a good result away to Newcastle. Sort of stemmed the bleeding from that run of defeats that they had. I'm going to say Brentford win this game. Now, I think it could be a high-scoring enough game because injuries and absentees at both ends for both teams. And Watford have looked good going forward in recent weeks. So I will say a 3-2 win for Brentford. Hmm, might be a good game then. Um, yeah, I think it'd just be who deals better with the injuries, but... Both of these teams have had a lot of injuries all season, so they might just be used to it by now. Um, we'll move on to the Saturday game, and the early kick-off is Man City Wolves. Um, normally, you'd probably say this is Man City favourite. Well, they are obviously favourites, but Wolves, I mean, shown against Liverpool, that they, they can hold a defence together really well. Um, and Man City do sometimes struggle to score goals this season. They do. In particular, when Jack Grealish plays, City struggle for that attack to really function properly because he slows the ball down too much. He doesn't have, as yet, the movement and intelligence to play in their system. And he makes it a little bit clunky. City are at their best when everything is free-flowing, when players are rotating through positions, and when the ball is doing the work for them. Grealish likes to do his work on the ball and he slows the ball down so that he can carry the ball towards the penalty area and do his different things and, you know, fall over and win his free kicks. Uh, that's effective in certain teams. It's not very effective in City's team. But City are five wins in a row. They are the team in form in the Premier League. Going into this one, they have a couple of uh, issues. Ferran Torres is still out. Gabriel Jesus and Americ Laporte both have knocks, but should be okay. Nathan Aki and Phil Foden are major doubts. Uh, Liam Delap and the other fella are both out. Um, Liam Delap has an ankle problem. He should be back in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Talented young player. Um, but Wolves are not without injury issues themselves. So, Markal is a doubt with the recovery from COVID. Eight Nuri and Connor Cody picked up knocks in the Liverpool game, but should be okay. Willie Bolly, they're hoping to have back. Uh, Johnny Otto still out, Mascara still out, and Neto still out. Like you said, Wolves showed Wolves showed last week and all season they can defend really well. They have the fourth best defense in the league. They limit opponents' shooting chances. 
And when they do give up a chance, it's from an area of low probability. That's what they've been excellent at. Denying opponents op- opportunities. It, like with Brighton, like with Chelsea, the system is the star defensively. And that's why they've got the fourth best defence in the league. The problem for Wolves is that they can't score goals. Only 12 all season. That's the second worst in the division. And for people who don't think the Brighton comparison is accurate, well, Brighton have the fifth best defence in the league and the joint third best, sorry, the joint third worst attack. So they're just like Wolves. They're just like them. Really good defensively, can't score goals. And there's no no surprise that they're both, you know, side by side in the league, eighth and ninth position respectively. Wolves are not going to score enough goals to beat City. So their hope is that they can either limit City to no goals or one goal. It's very difficult to limit City to no goals. I don't think City score less than two in this game. I'm going to say City win this one 2-1. This is at the Etihad. Like I say, City are in form. I think City win the game. I think City win the game 2-1. It'll be tight, though. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game. I think it wouldn't surprise me if Wolves get something, but yeah, Man City. Um, I do agree on Grealish. He, 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 I don't know. It just seems like a weird signing to me. But anywho, it's a square be... peg in a round hole. Yeah, and maybe they can. Maybe they can figure that out. He always looked but like a United now, player to me than a City player. A hundred percent. But then, how would he fit at United either? Considering you know, Bruno. No one fits at United. <laughs> Well, that's that's a fair point. That is a fair point. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're, you're always just one of them in individualist, indu. I can't say the word individualistic type player where it can be a star in his make and was always united to me. But yeah, anywho, uh, we won't turn it into a Grealish pod. But that I think that'll be an interesting game. That's on BT for UK people. Now on to your favorite topic, Dave. Arsenal and Fugazi. Um... They are against Southampton, who do have a few injury and suspension issues. Yeah. Um, who are Arsenal missing? So a Arsenal of Ar- people, maybe. Yeah, Arsenal missing potentially Emil Smith Rowe and Gabriel Mar- Martinelli, who has been really lively of late. Um, Leno out for a while. Kalasnat, that that doesn't matter. They're not missing him really. Saints have a lot of kind of important players out. Um, Romeo and Salisu both suspended. Jan Bednarak hopefully back, but you know we can only hope hope for them. Uh, che Adams is a doubt, but he will have a fitness test ahead of the game. The big problem for them, oh, and uh, and Stuart Armstrong is out. The big problem is Fraser Forster is out injured, and Alex McCarthy is out injured. So they're both out for at least this game and probably the midweek game as well. Now, they've signed Willie Caballero to play. Willie's 40. He's a decent keeper, but it's been a while since he played a competitive game of football. Um, This is a game Arsenal should win. At home, against bottom-half opposition, who struggle to score goals. That's the kind of game where Ramsdale keeps his clean sheets. 
uh, makes the fancy saves for the cameras. I'll say Arsenal 1-0 because they win these games 1-0. They beat Watford by one. They beat Norwich by one. They beat Burnley by one. I'll say they beat Southampton by one. 1-0. One yeah, if they don't win, I think... Well, it seems to be the cycle of Arsenal, doesn't it? Have a bad run, Arteta out, win the easy games, winning win in the league and Champions League, all that jazz. Bad form, Arteta out. That seems to be yeah. the circle. 100%. As soon as they play someone good, they'll get walloped. Then they'll lose a couple in a row. And then it'll be, yeah, all our Ted outs. The same thing that went on at United under under Ollie. Mm. They'd beat the bad teams. They'd have a long run of good form or, you know, of, of good results. Then they'd play someone good, get spanked. And then they lose to some bad teams. And then all of a sudden it's Ollie out, Ollie out. And as the pressure gets to it's, you know, it's breaking point. He beats PSG. He beats PSG. He beats Man City. He beats Man City yeah. Or, you know, he gets a result away to Chelsea, whatever it is. And he manages to stay in the job. But, um, yeah, I, I think Arteta, as the longer he stays there, the longer it'll take Arsenal to get back to anything re- resembling respectability. You know, so but t- tomorrow's a game. I think they will win. So we'll we'll go one nil on that one. Yeah, they have to win it really as well. But we'll move on to Chelsea, and obviously a must-win game for them as you uh, with the title race being so tight as it is. But not the best run of form because even in the wins, reach like Watford. I mean, Watford probably were the better team on the day. Lost to West Ham, sloppily drew midweek against mm. Zenit as well. Um. And join the Man United when they had Michael Carrick in charge is just a no-no. Um, but yeah, not the best form for Chelsea, regardless of them getting a few wins in the recent games. But performance-wise, I mean, the analytics people have been saying that the, the XG and stuff will catch up. Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, I think they, like they were running very hot at the start of the season. You know, they were outperforming their XG substantially. Now, a big part of that was they hammered Norwich 7-0. But... They have struggled in recent weeks, and they're kind of the the very rich man's version of Wolves and and Brighton. You know, they're really good defensively because of their defensive system. But there's only so long you can rely on your wing backs to score the goals to win you games. And we saw, you know, multiple weeks, Reese James and Ben Chilwell win them games, and that's just not something that you can sustain across a season. Havertz won't get you enough goals as a nine, so you need to put goals either side of him, and they haven't done a good enough job at that. They haven't done enough go- a good enough job at getting Lukaku into the team and finding ways to make it work with him. It shouldn't be hard. He's one of the best strikers in the world. So I, I think Tuchel has work to do. Um, he's got some injury issues this week. Yeah. Kovacic, Chalaba, Kante and Chilwell all out. But it looks like Loftus Cheek and Jorginho will be okay. Um, oh, did Jorginho have that it's too cold to play injury <laughs> midweek? I think. I think he did. <laughs> Jorginho is out with back pain. What did I say? Yeah, true. Someone's going to say they have lower back stiffness and they're not going to be able to play. I think Jorginho was fine, but didn't play because he had you know he didn't want to get didn't want to get himself cold. Um, 
the the prognosis for Kante doesn't look great. Tuchel said uh, early in the week he didn't know when he'll be back. Um, he just did say, the last update on Chalaba was we don't know how bad the injury is. Kovacic has been out injured and he's also caught COVID. So you know it, it is kind of a little bit of a of a bad run for them at the minute injury wise. Now this is a decent game for them. Obviously Leeds have not been good this season. Leeds are 15th. They're only three points ahead of Watford and only six points above the relegation zone. They've played a game more than Burnley. And are missing a lot of people. And are missing everybody, like everybody. So Robin Cock out. Now, Pascal Struijk's back, so that's good. Liam Cooper out. Normally, that wouldn't be a bad thing because he's just a bit of a liability for them. But when Robin Cock is out and Calvin Phillips is out, then it becomes an issue. Uh, Phillips out, Bamford out, and Rodrigo out. So, I mean, poor old Bamford mm. comes back. He's been out. He was out for ages. Came back and gets hurt celebrating scoring a goal. <laughs> he scored a goal, and the celebration was the the release of all that pent up frustration from from a couple of months of not being able to play. And, um, well, there you have it. He's out again. Um, Their team's not going to be pretty because Struik covers centre-back and midfield. So I'm going to guess that Luke Ayling plays centre-back next to Loriente with Stuart Dallas and Firpo as the full-backs. Struik as the holding midfielder. Glish, Rafinha. Maybe he goes with Harrison as one of the two eights, and then James on the left, and Tyler Roberts up front, maybe? He started up front last week, didn't he? Yeah, so you're going to be relying on Rafinha to do pretty much everything That's there. not a pretty team, considering um, there's 100 games in two weeks as well. Exactly, exactly. And like that's the thing. Lorente gets injured a lot as well, so you, you have to protect If he gets him. hurt, they're screwed. Yeah. He is the only thing holding that defence together. But, you know, you look at, Cooper, Phillips, Bamford, and Rodrigo, no return dates given. Um, these could take a little bit of time. Phillips, they think, could be two months. They have to. They think he, if he's out for two months, they're in the relegation battle. If Calvin Phillips is out for two months, they are squarely in the relegation battle. And I think they're going to get beaten quite badly this weekend mm-hmm. because Tuchel is brilliant at exploiting space. Mm hmm. And I think there's a lot of space to be left in that Leeds team. So even if it was fully fit Leeds team, even if the fully fit, <laughs> yeah, even if the fully fit, there's space everywhere. But when it's a patched together team, I think they're in trouble. I'm going to say Chelsea beat them three nil. Now, Dave, can we get through this next preview without talking about Gerard to Liverpool? It's it's something that shouldn't happen, and I don't ever want it to happen. But certainly shouldn't happen when Klopp goes. But yeah, I mean, it, it is a talking point. Somebody had asked Klopp about it today in the press conference. Stephen Gerrard's the Aston Villa manager. And when it comes time to replace Jurgen Klopp, he should be viewed as the Aston Villa manager. Has he done a good enough job at Rangers and Aston Villa? And if the answer is no, then the answer is no. And his name, his reputation, and what he did as a player don't factor into it. You've got to be ruthless in these things. But Villa came into this game having won three from four. They lost to City, but they beat 
Brighton, Palace and Leicester. Now, admittedly, they beat Brighton, Palace and Leicester when all of them were in bad form. So you don't know how much to take from those wins. They did show a good second half against City, but the first half was embarrassingly bad. No Bert Traore, no Leon Bailey, no Trezeguet. They're hopeful that Sanson will be fit. Matt Target and Danny Ings are fit. Liverpool, no Firmino, no Phillips. He's got a broken cheekbone. No Curtis Jones, no Harvey Elliott. Diogo Jota, they're unsure on. They're hopefully trained today, but he hadn't trained so far this week. Obviously missed AC Milan as well. So, look, Liverpool have won four of their last five. They've won the four games since the international break. They've also won two games in the Champions League. They come into this game in great form. They're blowing teams away. They've scored the most goals in the league while still maintaining the third best defence in the league. So that's really impressive. Plus 32 goal differences, six better than anybody else in the league. And only... There's only five teams in the league at the moment with a positive goal differential. Liverpool on plus 32. Chelsea plus 26. City plus 23. West Ham plus 9. And Manchester United plus one. So it shows how impressive what they're doing is. I have no doubt at all that Liverpool will win this game. I think they'll control the midfield. I don't see City or see see City, see Villa being able to stop Salah. Not with Matt Target and Tyron Mings. Mings will make a big mistake at some point and cost them. I think Liverpool are going to win this game 3-0. Oof. Do you not think the defensive improvements we've seen under Gerrard will... Or do you think just Salah against that left-hand side is too much? Defensive improvements against who? Let's yeah. have a look at... Let's have a look at the team they've played. So they played Brighton. They did lose five goals in a row. This season. 14 goals this season. Crystal Palace, 19 goals this season. And Leicester, 23 goals this season. All of whom have negative goal differentials. All of whom are in bad form. Brighton, no wins in the last five. Haven't won since mid-September. Crystal Palace, one win out of five. Uh, Leicester, one win out of five. Like, I don't know if it's Gerrard or it's the teams they're playing. But they weren't there's... good against Brighton. They weren't all that good against Palace. Just the Palace were awful. They have changed system though. I mean, they've stopped getting the the wing uh, the fullbacks exposed and making Ming Mings is still not great, but they're still limited in playing basically left back when Matt except Target... against City. Like City carved them open time and time again. Mm. City walked through that team as if they weren't even there in the first half. And it was just that they got far too cocky and complicated with what they were trying to do. It was like they were trying to put on a show. But I think I, I think, need to I see think Villa systemic... do it against a good team. Yeah, I, good I agree. Team. I agree. But I think systemically, he's he's made tweaks to limit people's stupidness. It's just that Mings, he has. He Mings has. is he's just put, stupid. He's put Mings and Nakamba in in boxes, mm-hmm. and he said to them, "You play in these boxes and don't do anything else." The problem is that stupid players will always do stupid things. And Tyron Mings, at some point, is going to get really excited and go following. Divock Origi or Mo Salah into an area of the pitch where he doesn't need to be and leave a big old gap in behind. 
And that's where they're going to get caught. Plus, they're not going to touch the ball in midfield because Liverpool have Fabinho and Thiago. So that's <laughs> going to cause them problems. That's a fair you point. look at the midfields they've played against, like Leicester patched together midfield, Brighton patched together midfield, and Crystal Palace patched together midfield. None of them were at full strength, whereas Villa were at full strength. Um, in midfield, I mean. I think Liverpool win this game 3-0. I, I think they will expose the flaws in this Villa team. There's only so much Gerrard can do in, mm. and Michael Beale can do in a couple of weeks. And... Just, I, out, I need just out of interest, it was it was Rodri, Bernardo, and Fernandinho for City. So yeah, I'd yeah. probably say ours is a bit, a bit. And that's better. patched together as well because yeah. Fernandinho and Rodri should never play together. Um, we will beat these. Liverpool mm. will beat these. There's there's no doubt in my mind. I'm going to say three 0 Gerard gets the spanking and heads off back down the M6 with a smile with his on tail, his face, <laughs> with a smile on his face, and his, t- and his tail his tail between his legs. Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll win, but I'm not, it could be an uh, interesting one, I think. But on to the late kick. I have no idea why this is on TV. Norwich against Man United. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, Norwich... Have Norwich had, they've had a COVID outbreak as well, haven't they? They have. They have. They've, they've got four potential positive tests. Obviously, they played Spurs last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Rashika is already out. Brandon Williams can't play against his parent club. Mm-hmm. Matthias Norman uh, is expected to miss out. Zimmerman is out. And Sam Byram is out. He's been lacking match fitness now for about two months. So maybe there's something else going on there with him. But, um, yeah, if they've got this COVID outbreak, I, I, I'm guessing it'll be called off. So we may well see this game postponed as well. And uh, United might not mind that because Varane is, a, is obviously out. Cavani is out. Wan-Bissaka and Matic are doubts. Pogba and Martial are doubts. Now, to be fair, of those six, you'd probably only really want Varane, Cavani and Matic. And only one of them would be a starter in Varane. The rest you wouldn't be all that bothered about. Um, United come into the game in their best form of the season. They've won back-to-back games. Uh, they're unbeaten in three. They looked decent at times against Palace, who are completely out of sorts. Ranić's now had some extra days to work with the first team because obviously he played a completely changed eleven for the um, young boys game in midweek. Mm-hmm. Played a lot of kids. Some of the older players as well, like Mata and Matic. Um, so he's had time to work with with the team, and we'll see. We'll see what adjustments he's made going into this weekend. Look, United should beat Norwich. I know it's in Norwich, and Norwich have been a little bit better of late. The two wins and two draws before last weekend's defeat to Spurs. But United should win this game. If they're serious about being top four contenders, they really should win this game. Um, if it goes ahead, I'll say United to win 2-1. If it goes ahead, but I don't know that it will. I, I have a feeling if if any of these COVID tests come back positive, I think we might see Norwich have to pull the plug on that one too. Yeah, I mean, we probably have to hear about it today. I'm not, unless they do with Spurs and just tell 
team team on the day. Um, well, remember last season when was it City against Villa was called off four hours before the game. That's true. So they they're gonna they're they're gonna put the normal rules to one side for this. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, United should win. Let's be honest. Um, if it goes ahead, of course, as you say. Um. We'll move on to Sunday's games, and yeah, Burnley welcoming West Ham. I think West Ham, obviously, not too many starters playing in the midweek game. Only four nails off the top of my head. Maybe a star. Well, he's yeah. usually a starter, I think he is. Um, but Burnley desperately need a win. Obviously, what was it? Newcastle they lost to last week? Yeah, 1-0. That's not good. Where the game no. normally Burnley at least draw. No, not good for Burnley at all. And they go into this weekend with no Ashley Barnes. He's still out. Max Cornett is a big doubt. He, that will be a huge blow because he's been really good since signing. Ben Mee, they're hoping to have available. Uh, Phil, Phil Bardsley likely to miss out. And Dale Stevens likely to miss out. Uh, for West Ham, no Ben Johnson, no Kurt Zuma, no Ryan Fredericks, and no Angelo Albana. So... They're now very light, and, and obviously Aaron Cresswell not fully back yet. So they are very light in defence. Um, they may only have four fit defenders. To Masuaka, be fair, the young lads didn't look too bad last night. They did look fairly good, to be fair. Mm. I thought they gave a good account of themselves, but I don't know you want to throw... Like, against Burnley? Burnley no. Against Chris Wood? No. And all them long balls? <laughs> no. that That's how you would ruin a young player. Yeah. But I think Chris the young, young left-back looked fine. Maybe you could play him. He did him. look good. Yeah. yeah, he did look good, to be fair. Um, but still, any of the centre-backs I'd be worried yeah. about. But they still have Zoom, or they still have Diop and Dawson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd imagine one or two of those youngsters who played in the defence yesterday will at least be on the bench for this yeah. one. This is a tough one to call because Burnley are in starting to get desperate for points, I think, now. And they will really want to get themselves out of the bottom three by the turn of the year, which gives them five games before the season kind of restarts on the second cycle. They've only won the one game. This is at home, but West Ham have obviously been very good this season. I could see a draw. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be a very disappointing result for West Ham. But I think it's a very difficult place for them to go. I think their style of play matches better with kind of the top teams yeah, absolutely. than it does with teams like Burnley who play more of an agricultural style. Um, I'm going to say 1-1. Mm. Yeah, I, I could see that being anything really, but Burnley are missing a lot. But yeah, I, I still go by the fact I don't think Burnley will get relegated. Watford exists. (laughs) That's the thing. I I still look at Watford and I look at the table right now and I look at Leeds and I think you're in trouble. You could get clawed back in. I look at Palace, three defeats on the spin. Mm -hmm. As as impressive as the early season form was, it's starting to creak a little bit that this is a lot of new players and, you know, Vieira isn't really sure of himself in certain game states. So... They could get dragged back in, like you said, Watford. I mean, they're they're going to be in the relegation battle. But the thing for Burnley is, like, they can't afford to be dropping points if if Newcastle and Norwich start picking up more points. Yeah. Um. But I I'll go for a draw. I just think 
I just think Burnley's ability to control and manage games will frustrate. And now by control games, I don't mean by having the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean quite the opposite. They will (laughs) let West Ham have the ball. And West Ham's best football comes on the counter-attack. So I will say, I'll say 1-1. Now on to probably the most important game of the weekend, maybe. Because Newcastle obviously need wins, but Leicester, I mean, maybe more so than Leicester, Brendan Rodgers needs a win. Yeah, massively. Massively. And this is coming in a dreadful time for Mr. Rodgers. Now, the tune, no Kieran Clark, that's a plus. Ryan Fraser, they hope to have back. Shar, they hope to have back. Paul Dummett's still out, and he's not really a loss because Premier League's a step above his capabilities. But West, but Leicester, they have a problem here. Oh, dear. So oh, Wes Fafana is out. Ricardo Pereira is out. James Justin is out. And then there's illness marked beside the names of Yannick Vestergaard, Iosi Perez, Adamola Luckman, Kelechi Iannaccio, Daniel Amarty, Vontae Daly-Campbell, and Philippe Benkovic. That screams COVID to me. It has to be. Like, it has to be something. It has to be COVID. And if it is... That game should be off. That game should be off as well. Why are we not hearing about this, though? Because we've heard about Norwich. We've obviously heard about Spurs. Mm. Why are we not hearing about this coming out of Leicester? I noticed this before their game last night. Because I was looking to see who might play. And when I saw this, I thought, that doesn't look good at all. Uh, I wonder if they've had a COVID outbreak at Leicester. Um, and if they have, I can't see how this game goes ahead. So that is seven players. Now, admittedly, only three of them, maybe four of them, would be likely to play. But still, you add those seven to the other three who are already out, Fafana, Pereira and, Ju- and Justin. That's a long, long list of players on the out. It wouldn't surprise me if this game gets called off as well. If it goes ahead, I think Leicester will win. Uh, Newcastle have been slightly improved under Eddie Howe, but still not very good. And I wonder if we might see Brendan come under like real, real pressure if they were to lose this one. Getting dumped out of Europe like the in the way they have into the Conference League his disparaging comments about it as well don't really go all that well. Like, if they were to go and win that competition, he can hardly turn around and say, well, I've won a major European trophy when in the December before the May, the man is in doing press conferences or, or interviews saying, I don't know what it is. Like, that's not going to sit well with certain people. Um, defensively, they've been a train wreck this season. They're not scoring enough goals to make up for it. But... The plus side for them is that Newcastle are awful. Newcastle have an awful defence. Newcastle can score goals uh, at more than kind of one one a game. So I think Leicester win the game. I'll go 3-1 Leicester. Brendan Rodgers makes Leicester City v Newcastle vow amid club's COVID outbreak. So it is a COVID outbreak. Seemingly. I don't think he said it was COVID because in the subtitle it says City had... Leicester, because I'm reading the Leicester local paper. Leicester City had seven players left at home because of COVID or illness on Thursday. Now prepare to welcome Eddie Howe's Newcastle to King Power on Sunday. So, 
I'm guessing they haven't confirmed it to COVID, but the local journals are suspicious because, well, yeah. Um, but it seems yeah, like he just doesn't want it rescheduled because they won't have time for it, really. But that seems stupid. Yeah, to that's me. probably it. He probably also wants a win to get to get the pressure off his back. Don't they have a uh, difficult another... schedule? Yeah, basically. That might, that might be a good reason. Let's have a let's have a look at what their Leicester City. So after this one, they have Tottenham, then they have Everton, then they have Liverpool in the cup, then they've Man City away, then they've Liverpool in the league. That's a very difficult run of games. Now it does get easier in the after the turn of the year. They get Norwich, Watford in the cup, Burnley, Brighton, then Liverpool again. Their February is fairly horrible. Um, Liverpool, West Ham, Wolves, and Norwich. Oh, sorry, and, and Chelsea rather. Um, that's a that's a very horrible February. But yeah, the rest of their December is not good, not good at all. Uh, other Brendan comments. Uh, the owners know Brendan Rodgers' Leicester future in spotlight amid fan anger. Supporters slam both Rodgers and his Leicester players after losing 3-2 to Napoli at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona on Thursday, which means Conference League is to come. Uh, Leicester City supporters have been told to have some perspective <laughs> over the future of Brendan Rodgers. Oh, this is from Ray Parler and Alan Brazil. They've barked back Rodgers oh, to get back on track. So when you've got like the barrel scraped and you've lifted the barrel up, and kind of kicked whatever was stuck to the bottom of it off, you end up with Ray Parler and Alan Brazil. Um, I'd be surprised if he's under pressure, if I'm being honest. They sacked a guy who won the title in the February <laughs> after he won it. How would Rogers not be under pressure? And they've won the FA Cup. Like, this is brilliant. What he's done for Leicester has been fantastic. They've got a new training ground. Did he build the training ground? Or was it being built before he got there? Oh, it was being built before he got there. The stadium is great. Also built years before he got there. Was once known as the Walker's Crisp Stadium. Uh, they've got great support. Again, he didn't recruit the fans. And they've won the FA Cup last year. Yeah. And they won the Premier League five years ago. And they still sacked the manager who won that. So... I don't think Ray... Ray Parler probably doesn't pay any attention to Leicester. I'd imagine Ray Parler is very much Arsenal and a bit of the top six, the big six, and that's probably about it. So it's only when someone's asked him, he's had a quick glance around at what Rodgers has done. Rodgers has done good work. But the bottom line is, his European record is a train wreck. Defensively, they get worse and worse each season. This season has been a mess, and he did bottle top four twice. That's the bottom line on Brendan Rodgers. Um, let's move past Brendan, though. I was going to say they could end up like 15th this weekend, I think, which is not good. Um, I'm sure that works out. I think a few of them play each other, so it might not be possible. But we'll move on. Um, but yeah, if that game goes ahead, Leicester should win, but Newcastle, good opportunity then get a win. Uh, last game then of this, but there's obviously loads of midweek games that you'll cover. Actually, do you know why he doesn't want this game called off? Mm. Because if it's rescheduled, it'll be rescheduled for after January. 
and Newcastle would have a, had a chance to go and buy players. That's why he wants them <laughs> to go ahead. He's worried that they'll be good by the time they play. Well, not good, but better. He wants the easy win. Paul Dummett has been subbed in for Matthias Delict. Well, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, that could be interesting. Um, last game of the weekend then, and obviously there's loads of midweek games that I presume you'll cover on Monday or Tuesday, show, Dave. Um, Palace against Everton. I think both teams need the win. Everton got one against Arsenal, but it's Arsenal, it doesn't count. Um, and they need to keep momentum going because that is toxic. But as you mentioned earlier, Palace, I mean, their first bad patch of the season, really. Mm. Uh, and really need to turn that around because, I mean, I mentioned uh, Leicester could drop down there, so could Palace, and 16 points. Uh, anyone from Watford above could overtake them. And, yeah, like, what, what, what do you think has gone wrong at Palace? Because I think everyone was in... Uh, impressed with with the start, but obviously a couple injuries, but I, I don't two see... Two key injuries. Yeah. Two key injuries. Joachim Anderson is the linchpin of that defence. He's the organiser. Mark Wehi's really good, and Tariq Mitchell's a really good young left-back, but they're both really young players. They need that leader in next to them, talking them through games, and that's what Anderson's major role has been. You've also got James MacArthur missing in midfield. Coyate is a very powerful engine in midfield. And obviously, Conor Gallagher's been like a Tasmanian devil in there. Box to box, pressing, picking the ball up, winning it back, giving it, going again, picking it up, scoring some goals. What those two don't have is the ability to put your foot on the ball and just slow a game down and control it Mm. and pick the right pass, make intelligent decisions. That's where a veteran player like James MacArthur comes in. So the injuries to those two have really hurt them. And it took a little bit of time. Like they kind of muddled through after MacArthur got hurt. But once Anderson went out of the team, they've looked very, very poor. Um, They're also playing a bit of a deeper line because James Tompkins doesn't have that kind of extra little bit of pace. So that's affecting them. So there's a bigger mm-hmm. gap between the back and the front now. The midfield's been asked to do a bit more. It's also, you know, new manager. How much is he going to be able to do to turn things around when they go bad? We don't really have a whole lot of data on Vieira overcoming adversity as a manager. Mm-hmm. You know, Nice were just middle of the road under him. They weren't anything good. They weren't anything bad. They were just kind of there. And Palace, obviously, a lot of players brought in the summer. Maybe the lack of experience is telling. Not on the pitch so much as on the training ground. Maybe the certain things they're, they're trying to work on aren't been implemented the correct way. Maybe Vieira's struggling a bit to get his message across. Remember as well, even though Vieira played in England for a long time, he is still still French. And French is still his first language. So when he's managing in France, it's probably easier for him to convey his message than it is when he's in England and he's trying to, you know, trans uh, to get it across in in English. So that could be a little bit problematic as well for him. I think they'll get it sorted. I don't have major worries about them. But as I said the other day, just keep an eye on them because if they do manage to string together another couple of defeats... Like you just mentioned, they could get dragged back. Watford are only three points behind them. 
You know, they're they're level on points with Leeds and Southampton. And playing last, they may be all right. Where, where, where could they be? If they, they, if they could be Watford, down 16, Watford would 17. need to Watford would need to win by a big margin oh, against yeah, Brentford yeah, yeah. because yeah. they've got a seven goal uh, cushion there. But I mean, if if Leeds draw and Southampton draw, mm. and let's say Brentford win, let's say Leeds somehow shock, let's say Leeds shock Chelsea and Southampton shock. Uh, Arsenal and Brentford beat Watford. Well, all of a sudden, you're only three points clear of Watford, but everybody else has gone three points clear of you. Mm-hmm. And let's say one of Burnley, Newcastle, or Norwich also win. Well, all of a sudden, they're only three points behind you. So all of a sudden, you're only three points from the relegation zone. That's where you start to find players have doubts. Owners have doubts. The fans get a little bit angsty. Don't bring it back keeps in during the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Don't we've seen it happen back. before. We've we seen it happen before. Everton going into this game, obviously, had been in dreadful form. Got a really good win against Arsenal. But mm. remains to be seen whether they can carry that on. Yerry Mina out again. Tom Davies still out. Rondon still out. Alan is a doubt. That would be a big blow. Luca Dina, we're waiting to see what comes out of the whole suspension thing. Rafa said he trained today, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> that's that's the thing. You don't yeah. know what Rafa. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin obviously still out. So, I mean, look, if Dina is still out and Calvert-Lewin and Alan misses and Mina misses, well, there's yeah, four of your best players. Mm. Four of probably your seven best players. Seven or eight best players. That would be that would be very very difficult to overcome. Uh, Joel Ward is back for Palace. It doesn't really make a difference. Him and Klein is, you know, they're about the same level. Uh, Nathan Ferguson still out along with Anderson. They are hoping that MacArthur could make the bench, but it's kind of day to day at the moment. At Selhurst Park, I think I favour Palace. I think Zaha has been a little bit hit and miss lately. I back him to make a bit of an about turn with his form. Eduard is due a goal. Stop playing Jordan AU. Stop playing Jordan AU. To, like, to be fair, we mentioned that about Palace. Eh? They should have scored against United before United scored. Yes, they should have. They should have gotten a draw. That's the thing. That's why when I was saying about United, they did look better and they looked okay in against. Um, against Palace. They, they weren't good against Palace. This idea that they, they were a team reborn and they were really good, it was an impressive first win. What game did you watch? And it took they Fred sh- scoring with his weak foot. Fred scored a <laughs> fluke that if he tried it a hundred more times, he I reckon he'd hit the corner flag more than he'd hit the goal. And Palace, like you said, should have scored. So they could easily have lost that game. I think Palace will win this one. Everton have been dreadful. Beating Arsenal is... I mean, it's Arsenal. Like no, it's, it's, Arsenal. Not, it's not canon in the Premier League, is it? It's just not. No, no, it's not. I'm going to say 2-1 Palace. 2-1 Palace. It should be a decent enough game. 
Um, I'd imagine there might be some tackles that fly in mm-hmm. fairly thick and fast, but uh, I think it'll be a decent enough game. And I will go with a 2-1 Palace victory. And that is us through nine games. Now, before we go, um, sports lens at NFL Seahawks 0 You did ask a question for Thursday. I didn't see it until after we'd recorded. Um, you asked, what will be your five signings for Liverpool in the upcoming summer transfer window? And if you're advising Arsenal Stan, Crank- Stan-, Stan Cronky, Stan- Stan Cranky, uh, what realistic director of football, CEO and coach would you tell him to go for and why? I will answer them next Thursday because I have them now. Uh, so I'll get them next Thursday, but thank you for sending them in. And uh, that is us then. That is us for the week. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you to Mr. Drinkle. Do give him a follow on Twitter at Guy Drinkle for all your Alberto Moreno needs. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Bye bye. Podcast Network.